Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of, going, of the original edition by going to jcim.net, uh, or if you mouse on the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also on that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the text reading uh, and the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, with Section 6, The Healed Relationship. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 192. I have a function God would have me fill. And um, a dear friend blessed me with this poem, which I had not heard before, uh, by Desmond Tutu. And it's called, The Prayer Before the Prayer. It seems so perfect in light of our lesson today. And it goes like this, I want to be willing to let go, to forgive but dare not ask for the will to forgive in case you give it to me. I am not ready. I am not yet ready for my heart to soften. I am not yet ready to be vulnerable again. Not yet ready to see that there is humanity in my tormentor's eyes or that the one who hurt me may also have cried. I am not yet ready for the journey. I'm not yet interested in the path. I am at the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. Grant me the will to want to forgive. Grant it to me, not yet, but soon. Can I even form the words, forgive me? Dare I even look? Do I dare to see the hurt I have caused? I can glimpse all the shattered pieces of that fragile thing, that soul trying to rise on the broken wings of hope, but only out of the corner of my eye. I am afraid of it. And if I'm afraid to see, how can I not be afraid to say, forgive me? Is there a place where we can meet, you and me? A place in the middle where we straddle the lines, where you are right, and I'm right too, and both of us are wrong and wronged, can we meet there and look for the place where the path begins, the path that ends when we forgive? I have a function God would have me fill. Amen. Oh, that was good. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much. It was perfect for where I am. Oh, I'm glad you're Just beautiful. No, wow. That was amazing. Thank you. It gives me goosebumps, too. And so I'm grateful to Desmond Tutu uh, for for that poem and my friend who gave it to me. Anyway, here we go. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Karen, and Jessica. We're joined in listening this morning by Judy and Robin Marie. 
And I wonder if there's anyone else who's hopped on would like to say good morning or be on the reading list. Morning, this is Sandra, and I can read. Oh, great. Thanks, Sandra. Okay. So, taking up again Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, with Section 6, The Healed Relationship. Um, anyone else just joined would like to say good morning? Good morning, Laurie. It's Lana. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to have to good listen morning. this morning. Uh, good morning. My computer died. Right. It's going to the hospital. <laughs> oh, um, no. So, what a hard yeah. that's going to be for you. <laughs> well, for about a week anyway. Anyway, thank you. Bye. Okay, hon. Glad you're here. So, again, Chapter 17, uh, Forgiveness and Healing, Section 6, The Healed Relationship. Paragraph 43. The holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world. Like everything about salvation, the holy instant is a practical device witnessed to by its results. The holy instant never fails. The experience of it is always felt. Yet, without expression, it is not remembered. The holy relationship is a constant reminder of the experience in which the relationship became what it is. And as the unholy relationship is a continuing hymn of hate in praise of its maker, so the holy relationship, a happy song of praise to the redeemer of relationships. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Lemoyne. Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing. Section 6, The Healed Relationship. The holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world. Like everything about salvation, the holy instant is a practical device, witnessed to by its results. The holy instant never fails. The experience of it is always felt. Yet without expression, it is not remembered. The holy relationship is a constant reminder of the experience in which the relationship became what it is. And as the, holy un uh, and as the unholy relationship is a continuing hymn of hate in praise of its maker, so is the holy relationship a happy song of praise to the redeemer of relationships. The holy relationship, a major step towards the perception of the real world, is learned. It is the old unholy relationship transformed and seen anew. The holy relationship is a phenomenal teaching accomplishment. In all its aspects, as it begins, develops, and becomes accomplished, it represents the reversal 
of the unholy relationship. Be comforted in this. The only difficult phase is the beginning. <clears throat> For here, the goal of the relationship is abruptly shifted to the exact opposite of what it was. This is the first result of offering the relationship to the Holy Spirit to use for his purposes. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 44. The holy relationship, a major step toward the perception of the real world, is learned. It is the old unholy relationship transformed and seen anew. The holy relationship is a phenomenal teaching accomplishment in all its aspects as it begins, develops, and becomes accomplished. It represents the reversal of the unholy relationship. Be comforted in this. The only difficult phase is the beginning. For here, the goal of the relationship is abruptly shifted to the exact opposite of what it was. This is the first result of offering the relationship to the Holy Spirit to use for his purposes. 45. This invitation is accepted immediately, and the Holy Spirit wastes no time in introducing the practical results of asking him to enter. At once, his goal replaces yours. This is accomplished very rapidly, but it makes the relationship seem disturbed, disjunctive, and even quite distressing. The reason is quite clear, for the relationship as it is, is out of line with its own goal and clearly unsuited to the purpose which has been accepted for it. In its unholy condition, your goal was all that seemed to give it meaning. Now it seems to make no sense. Many relationships have been broken off at this point and the pursuit of the old goal reestablished in another relationship. For once the unholy relationship has accepted the goal of holiness, it can never again be what it was. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 45. Going back one sentence. This is the first result of offering the relationship to the Holy Spirit to use for his purposes. This invitation is accepted immediately, and the Holy Spirit wastes no time in introducing the practical results of asking him to enter. At once, his goal replaces yours. This is accomplished very rapidly, but it makes the relationship seem disturbed, disjunctive, and even quite distressing. The reason is quite clear. For the relationship as it is, is out of line with its own goal and clearly unsuited to the purpose which has been accepted for it. In its unholy condition, your goal was all the same to give it meaning. Now it seems to make no sense. Many relationships have been broken off at this point and the pursuit of the old goal reestablished in another relationship. For once the unholy relationship has accepted the goal of holiness, it can never again be what it was. 
46. The temptation of the ego becomes extremely intense with this shift in goals. For the relationship has not as yet been changed sufficiently to make its former goal completely without attraction. And its structure is, quote, threatened, unquote, by the recognition of its inappropriateness for meeting its new purpose. The conflict between the goal and the structure of the relationship is so apparent that they cannot coexist. Yet now the goal will not be changed. Set firmly in the unholy relationship, there is no course except to change the relationship to fit the goal. Until this happy solution is seen and accepted as the only way out of the conflict, the relationship seems to be severely strained. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica? 46. The temptation of the ego becomes extremely intense with this shift in goals. For the relationship has not as yet been changed sufficiently to make its former goal completely without attraction. And its structure is, quote, threatened by the recognition of its inappropriateness for meeting its new purpose. The conflict between the goals and the structure of the relationship is so apparent that they cannot coexist. Yet now the goal will not be changed. Set firmly in the unholy relationship, there is no course except to change the relationship to fit the goal. Until this happy solution is seen and accepted as the only way out of the conflict, the relationship seems to be severely strained. 47. It would not be kinder to shift the goal more slowly, for the contrast would be obscured and the ego, given time to reinterpret each slow step according to its liking. Only a radical shift in purpose could induce a complete change of mind about what the whole relationship is for. As this change develops and is finally accomplished, it grows increasingly beneficent and joyous. But at the beginning, the situation is experienced as very precarious. A relationship undertaken by two individuals for their unholy purposes suddenly has holiness for its goal. As these two contemplate their relationship from the point of view of, it, of this new purpose, they are inevitably appalled. Their perception of the relationship may even become quite disorganized. And yet, the former organization of their perception no longer serves the purpose they have agreed to meet. Thank you, Jessica. And Sandra. I'm here. Uh, 47. It would be kinder to shift the goal more slowly, for the contrast would be obscured. It, sorry, 
It would not be kinder to shift the goal more slowly, for the contrast would be obscured and the ego given time to reinterpret each slow step according to its liking. Only a radical shift in purpose could induce a complete change of mind about what the whole relationship is for. As this change develops and is finally accomplished, it grows increasingly beneficent and joyous. But at the beginning, the situation is experienced as very precarious. A relationship undertaken by two individuals for their unholy purposes suddenly has holiness for its goal. And these two contemplate their relationship from the point of view of this new purpose. They are inevitably appalled. Their perception of the relationship may even become quite disorganized. And yet the former organization of their perception no longer serves the purpose they have agreed to meet. 48. This is the time for faith. You let this goal be set for you. That was an act of faith. Do not abandon faith now that the rewards of faith are being introduced. If you believe the Holy Spirit was there to accept the relationship, why would you not still believe that he is there to purify what he has taken under his guidance? Have faith in each other in what but seems to be a trying time. The goal is set and your relationship has sanity as its purpose. For now you find yourselves in an insane relationship, recognized as such in the light of its goal. Thank you, Sandra. Um, Would there be any reader for 48 and 49? Yes, I'm here. Thank you, Robin Marie. 48. This is the time for faith. You let this goal be set for you. That was an act of faith. Do not abandon faith now that the rewards of faith are being introduced. If you believe the Holy Spirit was there to accept the relationship, why would you now not still believe that he is there to purify what he has taken under his guidance? Have faith in each other in what but seems to be a trying time. The goal is set, and your relationship has sanity as its purpose. For now you find yourselves in an insane relationship, recognized as such in the light of its goal. 49. Now the the ego counsels thus. Substitute for this another relationship to which your former goal was quite appropriate. You can escape from your distress only by getting rid of each other. You need not part entirely if you choose not to do so. But you must exclude major areas of fantasy from each other to save your sanity. Hear not this now. Have faith in him who answered you. He heard. Has he not been very explicit in his answer? You are not now wholly insane. Can you deny that he has given you a most explicit statement? Now he asks for faith a little longer, even in bewilderment. For this will go, and you will see the justification for your faith emerge to bring you shining conviction. Abandon him not now, nor each other. This relationship has been reborn as holy. 
Thank you, Robin Marie. Uh, would there be another new reader for 49 and 50? Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Oh, did I hear someone? Oh, you did. <laughs> Mindy. Hi, Mindy. Did you want to read 49 and 50? I would love to if you'll give me 20 seconds to get there. Thank you. Alrighty. Forty-nine. Now the ego counsels thus. Substitute for this another relationship to which your former goal was quite appropriate. You can escape from your distress only by getting rid of each other. You need not part entirely if you choose not to do so, but you must exclude major areas of fantasy from each other to save your sanity. Hear not this now. Have faith in him who answered you. He heard. Has he not been very explicit in his answer? You are not now wholly insane. Can you deny that he has given you a most explicit statement? Now he asks for faith a little longer, even in bewilderment, for this will go, and you will see the justification for your faith emerge to bring you shining conviction. Abandon him not now, nor each other. This relationship has been reborn as holy. Accept with gladness what you do not understand and let it be explained to you as you perceive its purpose work in it to make it holy. You will find many opportunities to blame each other for the quote-unquote failure of your relationship, for it will seem at times you have no purpose. A sense of aimlessness will come to haunt you and to remind you of all the ways you once sought for satisfaction and thought you found it. Forget not now the misery you really found, and do not now breathe life into your failing egos. For your relationship has not been disrupted, it has been saved. Thank you, Mindy. And would there be another new reader for uh, 50 and 51? I can read now, um, Glory, Lana. Thanks, Lana. Okay. <laughs> Fifty. Accept with gladness what you do not understand, and let it be explained to you as you perceive its purpose work in it to make it holy. You will find many opportunities to blame each other for the failure of your relationship. For it will seem at times to have no purpose. A sense of aimlessness will come to haunt you and to remind you of all the ways you once sought for satisfaction and thought you found it. Forget not now the misery you really found and do not now breathe life into your failing egos. For your relationship has not been disrupted. It has been saved. 51. 
You are very new in the ways of salvation and think you have lost your way. Your way is lost, but think not this is lost. Let me read that again. Your way is lost, but think not this is lost. In your newness, remember that you have started again together and take each other's hand to walk together along a road far more familiar than you now believe. It is not certain that you will remember a goal unchanged throughout eternity, for you have chosen but the goal of God, from which your true intent was never absent. Thank you, Lana. And let's see, is there another new reader for 51 and 52? All right, back to you, Lemoyne. You are very new. Pardon? Sorry, go ahead. Do you want to read, Judy? Okay. 51. You are very new in the ways of salvation and think you have lost your way. Your way is lost, but think not this is lost. In your newness, remember that you have started again together and take each other's hand to walk together along a road far more familiar than you now believe. Is it not certain that you will remember a goal unchanged throughout eternity? For you have chosen but the goal of God, from which your true intent was never absent. Throughout the sonship is the song of freedom heard and joyous echo of your choice. For you have joined with many in the holy instant, and they have joined with you. Think not your choice will leave you comfortless, for God himself has blessed your holy relationship. Join in his blessing and withhold not yours upon it. For all it needs now is your blessing that you may see that it rests in salvation. Condemn salvation not, for it has come to you. And welcome it together, for it has come to join you together in a relationship in which all the sonship is together blessed. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Judy, did you want to read 52 and 53? Yes, thank you very much, Lori. 52. Throughout the sonship is the song of freedom heard in joyous echo of your choice. You have joined with many in the holy instant, and they have joined with you. Your choice will leave you comfortless, for God himself has blessed your holy relationship. Join in his blessing and withhold 
not yours upon it, for all it needs now is your blessing that you may see that in it rests salvation. Condemn salvation not, for it has come to you, and welcome it together, for it has come to join you together in a relationship in which all the sonship is together blessed. You undertook together to invite the Holy Spirit into your relationship. He could not have entered otherwise. Although you may have made many mistakes since then, you have also made enormous efforts to help him do his work, and he has not been lacking in appreciation for all you have done for him, nor does he see the mistakes at all. Have you been similarly grateful to each other? Have you consistently appreciated the good efforts and overlooked mistakes? Or has your appreciation flickered and grown dim in what seemed to be the light of the mistakes? You are now entering upon a campaign to blame each other for the discomfort of the situation in which you find yourself. And by this lack of thanks and gratitude, you make yourselves unable to express the holy instant, and thus we lose sight of it. Thank you, Judy. And Fran. 53. You undertook together to invite the Holy Spirit into your relationship. Excuse me. He could not have entered otherwise. Although you may have made many mistakes since then, you have also made enormous efforts to help him do his work. And he has not been lacking in appreciation for all you have done for him. Nor does he see the mistakes at all. Have you been similarly grateful to each other? Have you consistently appreciated the good efforts and overlooked mistakes? Or has your appreciation flickered and grown dim in what seemed to be the light of the mistakes? You are now entering upon a campaign to blame each other for the discomfort of the situation in which you find yourselves. And by this lack of thanks and gratitude, you make yourselves unable to express the holy instant unless you lose sight of it. 54. The experience of an instant, however compelling it may be, is easily forgotten if you allow time to close over it. It must be kept shining and gracious in your awareness of time, but not concealed within it. The instant remains, but where are you? To give thanks to each other is to appreciate the holy instant and thus enable its results to be accepted and shared. To attack each other is not to lose the instant, but to make it powerless in its effects. You have received the holy instant, but you have established a condition in which you cannot use it. As a result, you do not realize that it is with you still. And by cutting yourself off from its expression, you have denied yourself its benefit. You reinforce this every time you attack each other. 
for the attack must blind you to yourself. And it is impossible to deny yourself and recognize what has been given and received by you. Oh boy. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 54. The experience of an instant, however compelling it may be, is easily forgotten if you allow time to close over it. It must be kept shining and gracious in your awareness of time, but not concealed within it. I'm just rereading that. It must be kept shining and gracious in your awareness of time, but not concealed within it. The instant remains, but where are you? To give thanks to each other is to appreciate the holy instant and thus enable its results to be accepted and shared. To attack each other is not to lose the instant, but to make it powerful, powerless in its effects. You have received the holy instant, but you have established a condition in which you cannot use it. As a result, you do not realize that it is with you still. And by cutting yourself off from its expression, you have denied yourself its benefit. You enforce this, you reinforce this every time you attack each other, for the attack must blind you to yourself. And it is impossible to deny yourself and recognize what has been given and received by you. 55. You stand together in the holy presence of truth itself. Here is the goal together with you. Think you not the goal itself will gladly arrange the means for its accomplishment? It is just this same discrepancy between the purpose that has been accepted and the means as they stand now, which seems to make you suffer, but which makes heaven glad. If heaven were outside you, you could not share it in its gladness. Yet, because it is within, the gladness too is yours. You are joined in purpose, but remain still separate and divided on the means. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. 55. You stand together in the holy presence of truth itself. Here is the goal together with you. Think you not the goal itself will gladly arrange the means for its accomplishment? It is just this same discrepancy between the purpose that has been accepted and the means as they stand now, which seems to make you suffer, but which makes heaven glad. If heaven were outside you, you could not share in its gladness. Yet because it is within, the gladness too is yours. You are joined in purpose, but remain still separate and divided on the means. 56. Yet the goal is fixed, firm, and unalterable. 
and the means will surely fall into place because the goal is sure. And you will share the gladness of the sonship that it is so. As you begin to recognize and accept the gifts you have so freely given to each other, you will also accept the effects of the holy instant and use them to correct all your mistakes and free you from their results. And learning this, you will have also learned how to release all the sonship and offer it in gladness and thanksgiving to him who gave you your release and who would extend it through you. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, And Sandra. 56. Yet the goal is fixed, firm, and unalterable, and the means will surely fall in place because the goal is sure. And you will share the gladness of the sonship that it is so. And as you begin to recognize and accept the gifts you have so freely given to each other, you will also accept the effects of the holy instant and use them to correct all your mistakes and free you from their results. And learning this, you will have also learned how to release all the sonship and offer it in gladness and thanksgiving to him who gave your release and who would extend it through you. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you, everyone, who read this beautiful um, this beautiful description of the journey this morning. And could there be a better lesson than Lesson 192 to clarify the means? Uh, so, Fran, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and we are on the section of Lessons 181 to 200. And today we are on lesson 192. I have a function God would have me fill. So I shall read some from this lesson, and then we will do our five-minute practice on the lesson. Okay. This is a good one. (laughs) Lesson 192. I have a function God would have me fill. It is your Father's holy will that you complete himself and that yourself shall be his sacred son, forever pure as he, of love created and in love preserved, extending love, creating in its name, forever one with God and with yourself. Yet what can such a function mean within a world of envy, hatred, and attack? Therefore, you have a function in the world in its own terms. Forgiveness represents your function here. Forgiveness gently looks upon all things unknown in heaven, sees them disappear, and leaves the world a clean and unmarked slate on which the word of God can now replace the senseless symbols written there before. Forgiveness is the means by which the fear of death is overcome because it holds no fierce attraction now, and guilt is gone. Forgiveness lets the body be perceived as what it is, a simple teaching aid to be laid by when learning is complete, but hardly changing him who learns at all. 
The mind without the body cannot make mistakes. Only forgiveness can relieve the mind of thinking that the body is its home. Only forgiveness can restore the peace that God intended for his holy son. Only forgiveness can persuade the son to look again upon his holiness. With anger gone, you will indeed perceive that for Christ's vision and the gift of sight, no sacrifice was asked. Is this unwelcome? Is it to be feared? Or is it to be hoped for, met with thanks, and joylessly accepted? We have indeed been given everything by God. Yet do we need forgiveness to perceive that this is so? Who can be born again in Christ but him who has forgiven everyone he sees or thinks of or imagines? Who could be set free while he imprisons anyone? A jailer is not free, for he is bound together with his prisoner. Therefore, hold no one prisoner. Release instead of bond, for thus are you made free. Be merciful today. The Son of God deserves your mercy. It is he who asks that you accept the way to freedom now. Your function here on earth is only to forgive him, that you may accept him back as your identity. He is as God created him, and you are what he is. Forgive him now his sins, and you will see that you are one with him. So now we'll do our five-minute practice. Lesson 192, I have a function. God would have me fill.
Forgiveness represents your function here. Lesson 192. I have a function God would have me fill. Amen. Amen. Oh, Fred, I loved every part that you lifted out of that lesson. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Fran. I love doing them. I really do. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's Lana. I was going to share about... um, you know, healing the special relationship I had with my daughter, but I've shared that before. Um, But today I'm healing my special relationship with my computer, and I never knew I had one until I couldn't get it to start this morning. Um, You know, but, uh, you know, I'm not with any... um, I use my computer. It's like my ministry in connecting to all the people that I mentor and sharing the love of God on Facebook and communicating with my friends there and their comments and their questions. And um, so it's like a part of me. I'm, I have such, I didn't know it was so special <laughs> until my chest clenched up when I couldn't turn it on this morning. So, and that was around five this morning. And um, it's been giving me warnings, you know, for about a week or a couple weeks, and I chose to ignore them. So I had to turn um, this over to Holy Spirit. I had to turn the whole, the whole situation over to Holy Spirit. And then I started getting prompts. It was so sweet. And it, and it really played out the way this section um, revealed it, like on my healing with my daughter and it was so first I I mentioned it to my roommate and um, and then I call I knew there was a repair shop somewhere in Keene but I forgot the name of it I forgot where it was located and I had no computer to look it up you know to find it so um, I called um, a friend of mine and I told her I said I'm trying to find a repair shop can you take it there and, she, and when I, you know, when I find it, and she says, yes, I can do it this afternoon. So then the next thing that happened, my, my um, roommate knocked on the door of my room, and he said, oh, I found it. Here's the name and number. I called them. They can have it fixed. They, they knew. I told them what the problem was. They know how to fix it, and it would take about a week. And so, uh, Ellen, they told me approximately how much it would cost. So I called the bank to make sure I had enough money in there, and I had, I had more than enough in there to cover it. So you see, it's like all these little steps just started to fall in place. I had given the whole problem over to Holy Spirit. I had given my computer to Holy Spirit, even though I'm telling you I tried more than 100 times since 5 o'clock this morning to get this this computer to start, and every time it failed. Then, in the middle of the reading, I got the prompt, try once more. 
and it immediately started up. So at least I can now, um, you know, post the lessons, put an announcement on my um, homepage that I'll be away for a week while my computer gets fixed. And do you see how all every the path is made clear? And as soon as I stopped really engaging the problem and trying to be the orchestrator of the solution and I just gave it to Holy Spirit, everything fell into place perfectly and it even came on uh, long enough for me to do what I need to do with it today, to get everything up to date before my friend takes it this afternoon. And um, and just, uh, I'll, well, I'll share about a little bit about my daughter because that really does file, file, um, follow what Jesus lays out in the reading today. But I just wanted to, you know, and this isn't something unique. You know, I'm not surprised by it. It's the when I give up, when I relinquish everything to God, you know, Holy Spirit just takes over and makes the way clear. And, um, and it turns out perfectly. My computer is in the hands of God. And I know that um, it will be healed as my mind is healed. And I'll have it back again in perfect order. So anyhow, it was just such a coincidence that my special, I, to realize I had a special relationship with my computer and to heal that. Because I, next to my relationship, my holy relationships with Jesus and my daughter, I don't think... I'm more connected to anything or anyone in this world. Um, well, there's there's several very close friends that I would include in that group, but but uh, the computer was one of them. I'm complete. Thank you. That was beautiful, I love Anna. That. And thank you thank for you. emphasizing you, every step along the way. <laughs> yeah, that was thank great. You, thank you. I had a, a practical thing happen to me yesterday that you reminded me of, which was I kept uh, thinking, oh, I'll have to go to the DMV and find the sticker to put on the back of my license. I don't have it, and I don't know where it is. And I was uh, driving home and going the right speed and doing everything right, and suddenly this clock pulls me over. And this very uh, kindly young man um, has me roll down my window, said, can I see your license? Yes. Could I see your registration? And I handed him the registration, and he said, you don't have the right sticker on, the, on your license plate. I said, I know. I, I don't know where it is. I have been meaning to go to the DMV, but I work all day. So he opened up my registration, and lo and behold, there was the sticker. <laughs> and I, I didn't feel stupid. I just felt so um, elated <laughs> that the policeman found it. And, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is taking care of me, even all in all of my bumblings, that, you know, he's, that, that the source is taking care of me. So thank you, and thank you for your computer and all the work it does, Lana. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thank you. My ministry, for sure, <laughs> or the vehicle of my ministry, that's for sure. Yeah, 
Thanks, Robert Marie. Hi, this is Ida. Um, I did too. <laughs> um, recently, my ex had my um, had the um, the cable with it. He used to that used to be one of the bills he paid. The cable TV and the internet turned off. So, and he didn't pay the last couple of, of bills. But that wasn't my responsibility. That was his. But anyway, um, so at first I was in dismay. Even though I didn't watch much TV at all, I watched the things I like is the music, different kinds of music on the TV uh, cable programs. And, um, and of course, the Internet on the computer is it's handy. It's more handy than, you know, it's a bigger screen than on my phone, you know. It's easier to see and deal with. But I soon came to realize through the Holy Spirit that I didn't really need those things right now, and I couldn't afford to, like, have it turned back on, you know. And I, I didn't really need those things right now, and I was okay doing what I was doing with just my cell phone, which had the Internet, intermittently because in the 12 years that I've been in this particular location in Tucson, I have never been able to get really good reception on a cell phone. It's uh, something about something that's going on around here or the the cell tower being far away or I don't know what. I don't know how it all works. But but I know the Holy Spirit's with me on this one. And uh, I'm doing better. Some of the illnesses I have are silent. They're not visible in my body. They're emotional. But I was up for most of last night like the night before, but I was doing a lot better. I took a homeopathic medicine that I was guided to buy. But my my uh, a guy I know online who who it happens to be a homeopathic doctor happened to post about this this particular medicine which I never had and I never used. And uh, I I muscle tested and I found out it was the right one for me right now, and and the description fit what I was experiencing. So I had that, and with the, the guidance, um, I had less anxiety last night, much less. And uh, that's really good, thank God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and you guys for supporting me, and uh, I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yay. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Ida. Oh, wonderful, Ida. Thank you. Good morning. This is Jessica. Um, this is a wow. This is a, a the whole special relationship, holy relationship thing is is a powerful part of the course. Obviously, um, Lena, I really appreciated your talking about your relationship with your computer because I came to the realization about a week ago, maybe a ten days that I had a very special relationship with my phone. Um, I don't normally use my computer unless I'm doing Zoom or something, but the phone, what happened was I misplaced it. I later discovered it in the refrigerator, (laughs) which I think goes to uh, how special the relationship is because I 
you know, was putting something away and had my and my phone is in my hand almost 24, you know, when I'm awake, it's with me all the time. So I had put it in there unbeknownst to me and looked everywhere numerous times and I was having a meltdown, partly because I knew I had it in the house somewhere and I couldn't find it and it was very frustrating. But I just realized that it was also because I felt lost without it. I felt like I needed it. I felt like I had to be, it had to be with me. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, my glasses or something uh, or my contacts, you know, whichever, because I felt like I couldn't function the way that I normally do, which is not healthy. I mean, the way I function is not healthy. I, uh, you know, there's been a lot going on in my family right now. My, my son and his wife are looking for a house and they've needed a lot of childcare and guidance around, you know, just decisions and, and finding places. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible time to look for a house. But, um, it sort of intensified my need to be able to see all my messages as soon as they get there. You know, I think I have to respond to every message right away, which is absurd. Um, and I have to check my messages many, many, many more times than I really do have to check them. So what I did when I came to the conclusion that I wasn't going to find my phone for a while is I just said, I'm going to go for a bike ride without my phone. <laughs> and um, just, you know, I know I'll find it eventually. I just have to let it go. And what that taught me was that I really need to put that phone away more often and trust that I'll be okay. Um, and that's how I came to realize that I had a special relationship with my phone that needs to be transformed because it can become a holy relationship. It is a total, it, it, the possibility is there. You know, there's a lot of holy things that happen that with my phone, beautiful phone conversations, beautiful text messages, beautiful contact with all the other parts of the sonship, or not all of them, but many of them. So, um, that's what I'm working towards now, and this this section today was very helpful. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you, Jessica. I thank, thank you, Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, thank I also you. have that have that phone uh, addiction that you know just. Try and put it aside. Doesn't matter. Can wait for an hour or two to check it, you know. And hopefully uh, teaching the other people who are trying to contact me. Um, of course, I would have it with me if there was something important happening. But if it was just, you know, just a say hi from somebody, it can wait and they can wait also. And it doesn't bother me if they don't get back to me right away. So thank you for that. Morning, this is Sandra. I'd like to change the focus. 
from special relationship to something that Jessica said, which was when she lost her phone, and I lose stuff all the time. It happens, especially when, I think, as you get older. <laughs> and she said, it'll show up. And that's, and you know, I, I can feel myself having beginning to have the meltdown, but that's the power of decision. I always say, you know, just relax. It'll show up. And it does. I'm complete. Yeah. That is true. That's great. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. It's great how we're getting into this. That's so true, yeah. Sandra. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Good morning. But people can have, we can have special relationships with our objects, like our phone or our computer or our TV, but mostly our phones. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Good morning. It's Karen. Um, this morning on Rev- this morning on Reverend Pam's call, um, I was telling about a story of um, something that came up that triggered me, and uh, I kept trying to forgive it. And um, it came through the meditation of my function. You know, forgiveness is my function. And I have a function given by God. So I, I kept trying to um, forgive this, this little thing that happened. And I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was a thing. But it kept, it kept um, hurting, I guess you could say. And when I explained it on the call... I mean, I can't tell you how deep that pain went. It went so deep. It was like a a moment of purification and catharsis by the Holy Spirit. And I had been trying for weeks to give it to the Holy Spirit. I had been trying so hard for weeks to just convince myself that it was was nothing except, um, you know, a shadow figure from the past. But... When I talked about it on the call, and everybody was so wonderful, it just felt like it broke through. It shattered what it was, and the feelings came through. And um, yesterday on that call or on this call, someone was saying, oh, you just have to witness it. Well, I've been trying to witness it forever, you know, and so another situation arises, another situation where I feel like I'm constantly being triggered, and I feel so much anger come up when I'm triggered, and I know it has nothing to do with the other person, and I've looked at what they're doing that reminds me of a shadow figure or the past, and it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't hit that deep place. So it just keeps going on and on and on. And it's been going on for like a year now where this just keeps coming back. It's an anger. It's an irritation. There's a voice from the past. And I keep offering it to the Holy Spirit. And I keep saying, I know this is a shadow figure. I know this isn't real. And I don't want to have this. And I can choose peace instead of this. And then sometimes I try to feel it and... And But I can't get to that place where I hit with the other thing today. I can't get to that place where it really, where the grace of God really touches it deeply. 
So it's all superficial, like uh, being on the wheel in the mouse cage, just going around and around and around and never going deep. Um, and, and I have a lot of things like that that seem to be places that I can look at and I can say, this is a stuck place, this is a falsehood, this is an illusion, this is my ego mind. But the feeling is that there's so much emotion trapped in it that I can't, I can't stop the hold that it has on me. So um, when we were reading about the holy relationship today, the first line in the reading, the very first sentence is, the holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world. That is so profound. The holy relationship is the experience of living in the holy instant in this world. It's that expression, but I thought experience. And the unholy relationship that I'm really dealing with the most is with my body. You know, people are saying computers and phones. I have an unholy relationship with my body. When I was a child and I was sexually abused, my body was doing what I didn't want it to be doing. You know, it was feeling things that I didn't want it to be feeling. And um, desires and, and things like that. And, and it became my enemy right then and there. But when I got a little older and I started to uh, use alcohol and drugs to to um, self-medicate from the pain, and my, the psychic pain, the emotional pain, um, I couldn't stop, you know, I became an addict. So even while I was looking at what was happening, I was saying, this is self-destructive, this is bad, this is a sin, I shouldn't be doing this, I still couldn't stop. And then, you know, fast forward through life, of course, there was a period of 25 years where I was in the kingdom of God, but then I fell back into the ego mind. And, and now it's food. And so I, I could say, oh, this, is the, this is an unholy relationship, and I shouldn't eat this, and I shouldn't eat that. Yeah, but it comforts me, and yeah, but it's all I have, and yeah, but, um, you know, there's this anxiety, and it, it stops the anxiety, and the ego wins every time, and it really makes me wonder, like, where is God? You know, I have all of this spiritual uh, relationships with Alma and Jesus, my other teacher, and Course in Miracles and the Holy Spirit, and I still can't, I still can't beat this ego part of me. That and it's a shadow figure from the past. You know, it's the same part that couldn't stop the sexual abuse. It's the same part couldn't stop substance abuse and and it's still yielding its power and I guess the answer was the first line in this reading which is the holy instant now if I could stay in the holy instant every minute of every day and then when I would have the thought of having food I wouldn't have it because I would be in the holy relationship with my body <laughs> I don't have that one going on yet but I was wondering if there's something as powerful as that other thing was this morning that's in the unconscious, that's driving me in the ego mind. 
anyway, I'm just putting it out there in the power of the Holy Spirit and our joint consciousness that the unholy relationship with the body, um, self-destruction, guilt, whatever it is, uh, that the power of God will help me. I'm complete. Oh, thanks for Thank putting you. it out there, Karen. Thank that you, Karen. Oh, Karen, that's Yeah, I. Uh, this is Jessica. I um, was talking with somebody yesterday about some feelings that I was dealing with. And what became clear to me is that the guilt of the separation that I have taken on or the ego has perpetuated and said is at the root of a lot of the fear and the consequent behaviors from the fear. So, and that the guilt that I think should be gone by now (laughs) because of all the um, beautiful lessons I've been doing and, and all of the practices and all of the reading of the course and understanding and, and release of many, many things. What I came to understand is that the guilt is so dense and so dark and so vast that it's going to take a while and that it's going to continue to loosen and rise into my perception when I don't want to deal with it, really, because it's uncomfortable and, it, it, you know, it presents itself as anxiety about something that's happening. It presents itself about a special relationship with my phone. It comes up as, you know, mostly various kinds of fear and, and attachment. But it's really at the source, it's the, the guilt from, you know, going back past my childhood because I have a core memory from my childhood that that informed my ego that I was bad. And um, I kind of, for a, a while, would trace these feelings to that. And I now understand for me that that, that is just a metaphor for the, sep- the guilt of the separation and the fear that came from that. And, the, and so that's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to accept, the fact that um, it's going to loosen, the guilt is going to keep loosening, and as it loosens and the gunk comes up, it's going to be uh, in my perception, and I'm going to just have to keep giving it to Holy Spirit, giving it to Jesus. I don't want this. You take it. Take this guilt from me. Take this fear from me. I, 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 I am a child of God. My worth is established by God. You know, just keep practicing what I've learned in this program, but it can be very painful, scary, sad, and all those things. Thank you. Thanks for bringing this up, Karen. I'm complete. Jessica, that was just so perfect and beautiful. Yes, yes. thank oh, you. Thanks, what a Jessica. great, great discussion. Oh, that was lovely. Thank you. Yes. 
I know that uh, <clears throat> this Course in Miracles is the truth with the capital T, but there are some other truths out there that don't have a capital T on them. They're relative this world truth, and I think that one of them is that we're programmed by society to become good little consumers, and we have to buy stuff to do that. And from we get fear from the news, fear porn from the news, and we um, have commercials since the time we're practically since we're born, and especially for food. And they target little kids with the cute little sweetened sugar sweetened cereals and all that stuff. You all know that um, that we've seen. So we've seen these commercials for different kinds of food, etc probably billions of times by the time we're 30, you know. Um, you know, like I was, they put me in front of the TV when I wasn't in school uh, uh, to, like, I mean, Grandma was there. Grandma Ida was there, but like a babysitter, you know, me and my sister. And I remember, I remember one time when I was about six years old, I was precocious. And there was some commercial on TV, my sister and I were watching, and I told Jackie, um, don't listen to that. They're only trying to make you buy something. When I was about six. I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I was already aware that, you know, quote, they're trying to make you buy something and uh, and consume it without much care for whether that makes us healthy or not or that makes us addicted or not. It, of course, the addiction, and I have that too with food, has to be an inside job to heal that. But I think it helps to become aware that, you know, I didn't do this all by myself. I had a lot of um, programming from society as well. Thank you. I'm complete. Ooh-wee. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Good morning, Mrs. Sandra. And, um... I just, this will be really quick too. Um, at the earlier meeting, I mentioned that our that my will determines my perception, and that I got that from this book, Course in Miracles. And the Course in Miracles always also says that it just takes a little bit of willingness. And then once I have that little bit of willingness to shift my perception, it it's not it's really not enough, but it's a beginning. Then I have to go through the process of self-forgiveness because I need more willingness and I don't have it quite yet. And then to ask for help and support and just to keep going through it until my will gets stronger. And um, I, I've been told as a child that I was a very willful child and it's, it's a gift actually to have that will, but it's, it's our will that determines our perception. So we get to choose. Am I willing to just, you know, give it a little bit more effort, try again, pick myself up when I fall on my face and try again and try again and try again? I'm complete. That was Thank good. You, Thank Sandra. you. Thank you, Sandra. That was a perfect Thanks, setup for me. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, I was, you know, recalling that lovely piece by um, Tutu that you 
started us off with, Lori, and um, the willingness to be willing to ask for the willingness to be ready because I'm not ready. <laughs> and that the Holy Spirit is the will of God, the voice is the will of God in me. And I, am I willing to listen? Am I willing to still my my crazy um, crackerjack mind, you know, and um, stop believing the voice of my ego? It's like, just shut up already. Enough of the problems. Give me the solution. The Holy Spirit is within me. I need to be still and listen. Am I ready? Am I ready? Do I want it? Do I want peace? Do I want to laugh at my ego? Or do I want to take myself seriously? Really now, Jude, do you want to just stew and stew and stew about the past and all the problems that continue in the present because you can't forget the past? And you're reliving that the past in different forms and different expressions of it because it's all ego. And all ego is is problem maker, a baloney grinder, a, a complainer, a criticizer, um, discontent, restless, wants to be somewhere else with someone else and doing something else, thinking something else, because it doesn't, the mind doesn't have presence, capital P presence enough, stillness enough to quiet itself and recognize how its own mind is driving it insane. And, you know, the responsibility for me is here and now. And if I'm not aware that my own thinking is driving me crazy and I need to just still it, enough already. Don't believe what you think, Jude. You don't have to believe anything that you think. And if you think you got a good idea, think the exact opposite, and you'll probably be closer to the truth. Because if it's disturbing your peace, it's false. If it's disturbing your happiness, it's false. And learning to discern the difference between the two is simply the difference between misery and joy. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is nothing but the call to joy, the call to be happy. Am I, do, is my will one with God's or not? All right. <laughs> Who's setting me up? Only me. Me, 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 me. And, you know, nobody else is even involved in this. I want to blame others or blame situations or blame circumstances. The Holy Son of God relieved, relieved that the mind of thinking that the body is its home is, is subject to nothing. It's openness, it's welcoming, it's totality, awareness of the totality that everything is a part of him leaves no room for a little mini-me. It's too busy in wondering about the wonder of it all. It has no room for little, tiny, little personal problems. It's, you know, I may not be much, but I'm all I ever think about. <laughs> Forgiveness gently looks upon all things, unknown in heaven, and sees them disappear. The word of God can now replace the senseless symbols. All the words, the words, the words written there before. It's my, it's my function that I complete God, that my mind's awareness is aware of, of everything. It's an idea in the mind of God. And it's not just one idea. It's millions of ideas. 
can I open my mind so that it's flooded with millions of beautiful, different ideas, or do I think the same 5,000 or maybe even 500 thoughts that I thought yesterday? Am I thinking the same thoughts that I thought yesterday? Again and again. And not thought of me. Jude's on a roll. <laughs> Don't forget to laugh. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Hi, guys. This is Lori. And... um, Oftentimes when I'm sleeping, it seems as if Holy Spirit talks to me and answers questions that I have uh, during the day. And I'm pretty certain he does that because <laughs> because I'm undefended in my sleep and I listen better. And... Uh, that reminds me of a quote, whether you're asleep or awake, Holy Spirit, mind of Christ is always speaking to you. But anyway, um, a question that I've had um, over the course of the last couple of years is, why does Jesus talk so much about calling forth witnesses? And what does he mean when he says, the witnesses will tell you? It's a general question, but... Um, it's one that I wanted to uh, explore. And so anyway, in my sleep this morning, um, the thought came that the use of the word witnesses is very useful in a world that believes in judgment because we're all familiar with how it works when we go out and look for a witness to support the view we have, you know. Um, and And that's... Uh, a lot of what the ego spends its time doing, I think this is true, and so I go about looking for the evidence of that truth. And, uh, and of course, that reminded me instantly of the question, what is forgiveness? And in the second paragraph of what is forgiveness, he says, what can come between a fixed projection and the aim let's say, goal, aim, the mind has chosen as its goal. What can come between a fixed projection and the goal the mind has chosen? What can come? Well, when I offer willingness, just like the next paragraph in what is forgiveness says, when I offer willingness to look and wait and judge not. Look and wait and judge not. And let let me get that quote exactly right here. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is still and quietly does nothing. It offends no aspect of reality, nor seeks to twist it to an appearance that it likes. It merely looks and waits and judges not. I'm not in a courtroom here. 
He who would not forgive must judge, for he must justify his failure to forgive. But he who would forgive himself, I need to learn to forgive myself, you see. Um, he who has learned to forgive himself must learn to welcome truth exactly as it is. So do nothing then, and let forgiveness show you what to do. Through him who is your guide, your savior and defender, strong in hope and certain of your ultimate success, he has forgiven you already for such is his function given him by God. Now you must share his function and forgive whom he has saved, the sinlessness he sees and whom he honors as the Son of God. Earlier in this work, we're told that all judgment that uh, we hold against the world or against our brothers is really a judgment of the self. But this entire work is gauged and carefully, carefully programmed, programmatically selected, you might say, uh, in a divine technology to help me release the judgment I hold against myself. Jessica, I loved your discussion of innocence. It was just beautiful. And when I hold a judgment against myself, uh, that's material that's in my subconscious. I'm not even aware of it. Um, but I need a mirror. I need a mirror to show me these things. And when the great, gracious plan of God sends me a brother to hold a mirror to my mind to show me these things that are still buried in my subconscious, what's really going on is the ability for me to see that material I wasn't even aware of or what I thought about it or how I judged myself because of it. I became blind to it because I held a judgment against myself. Even even thoughts I've discovered like, um, well, here's the thing that really, really, really bothered me. Um, during the immigration discussions, you know, there was all this separation of children from their parents. And I was so appalled by that. I was so angry by that. And I, I said to Holy Spirit, I would never do such a thing. Why am I so angry? And the answer I got was because you hold yourself to a standard that's artificial. You know, you say to yourself, this thing I would never do. And so you impose that on your subconscious mind and hold it there as something that you can pull out and use against someone else. None of it's real, you see? None of it's real. But without this gracious plan of, of brotherhood, of sonship, I wouldn't see the things I'm blind to. I have a friend that that introduced me to a book last week. It's in part, you've probably all heard of it. I hadn't, but uh, it's a book by Matt Kahn. And the, the book title, I believe, is Whatever Happens, Love That. And, and we've been practicing together. Uh, Whatever Happens, Love That. And last night we were talking and she said, you know, I have to tell you that, that uh, you said something last week that really triggered me. 
and this is what happened to my mind I went back into my grief and back into my sadness and, and all this and that I couldn't remember even having said it but the thing is we do this for each other it's a service it's a service and it's the fruit I think of the holy relationship this holy gift of God that God's given me in this call and in my life is just another opportunity to show me where I have an opportunity to release I'm free to take it or not I'm always free to take that opportunity or not but when I recognize that this is God's gracious plan for releasing me from the courtroom that I hold in my mind that is always condemning me then I am grateful I'm grateful whatever whatever happens love that I can be grateful and and he emphasizes it here in paragraphs 53 and 54 the instant remains but where are you oh gee whiz I'm lost in my thoughts of judgment and condemnation on blame upon myself and blame upon you know I got lost temporarily the instant remains but where are you I know this with my entire being because of my dark night which was a holding on to something life was asking me to let go of it lasted a long time and um, and it entailed a lot of loneliness but see this is this is the gift we give each other you see something in me that you don't like and it's an opportunity for you to look at yourself honestly what is it I'm holding against myself I see something in you I don't like it's an opportunity for me to look at my own mind what am I holding against myself ultimately these are God's means he says the holy instant the holy relationship the Holy Spirit are all means to help me achieve the goal of holiness that's why gratitude we're going to have a lesson here pretty soon it can be about my gratitude I earn and it's so um, it's such a package of means and end you know the goal is holiness the goal is holiness and whose mind is already holy this one whose mind needs to be aware of that this one forgiveness is my tool all it is is to look and wait and judge not judge not this is not a courtroom this whole life is not a courtroom and Holy Spirit will show me witnesses to holiness when I'm willing uh, to let him so um, I guess with that I'm complete and I'll just say that uh, I know this I know this whole trajectory very intimately and I'm so 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 grateful to realize that every brother I meet I meet is actually saying in his heart trust me that's that's the truth that's the truth and when I offer my trust 
Holy Spirit brings me the witness to remind me that my trust was was well placed. Uh, that's how we heal, and I'm so grateful I'm complete. Lori, I loved it. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank mm. you. Beautiful, Lori. Thank you. I'm so grateful for that, Lori. Wonderful to hear it all. Thank you so much, you guys. Uh, let's see. Time for uh, another share before we end our recording. Well, I'll jump in. There was something you said, um, Laurie, uh, at the beginning of your share about, um, oh, I can't remember your exact words, but it, it shot my mind right to uh, reminding myself that uh, we can, I have created, uh, we, well, I'm all, we're all familiar with this, false ego identity that we create. It's not our true self, but not always uh, am I aware of the false spiritual identity that I create and then try to hold myself up to something that I'm not. Just like the ego, I buy into something that I'm not or someone that I'm not. And um, if I uh, believe that I have to be different than I am right now, that's just buying in for one false you know, trading in one false identity um, for another. And I found that it can re- lead me to feel unworthy, to feel failure, to not live up to this picture, this image of who I should be as a child of God. And um, Holy Spirit just reminds me over and over again that who I am right here, right now, warts and all, <laughs> All seeming failures, all seeming stumbling blocks and beliefs and and everything that goes with it. I'm still as God created me. And I've shared before that I had a little addendum on it that um, I am as God created me and this is what it looks like now. I'm always as God created me. My holiness is not affected by any false images of myself, whether they be less than uh, I am or greater than I am. I can only be, as, I can only experience who I am as God created me here and now. And until I, you know, and, and if I don't accept who I am now, I can enjoy um, the peace and the confidence and the worthiness and the love that comes from an experience of knowing that I am cre- I am as God created me, uh, and it's it's just um, it just erases the judgments I have of a present self that doesn't meet up to my standards. God isn't telling me I have to be any different than I am. I'm I'm the one that's judging myself. So as I let go of images I make of myself, whether I consider them better than I am or worse than I am, that's the sweet place I find peace when I can accept who I am right here, right now, because I know God 
loves me right here, right now, and I'm one with him no matter what it looks like in time, space, and form. <laughs> so I just wanted your your um, share, Laurie, just brought that home again to me, and I wanted to share it. Thank you. Oh, you said it so perfectly, Lana, and clearly oh, thank you. clarified it beautifully. Yes, you did. Thank you, Lana. Oh, thank you, guys. Oh, my inspiration. Thank you, Lana. <laughs> and thank you, Lori, both of you. And thank you, Lana, for, for being on the call and all that you share. Thank you so much. Oh, bless you, sweetheart. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's, uh, here's I think, um, just a very gracious place to close this call from chapter 18 of the happy dream and it says prepare you not prepare you not for the undoing of what never was if you already understood the difference between truth and illusion the atonement would have no meaning the holy instant your holy relationship the Holy Spirit's teaching and all the means by which salvation is accomplished would have no purpose for they are all but aspects of the plan to change your dreams of fear to happy dreams from which you awaken easily to knowledge put yourself not in charge of this for you can't distinguish between advance and retreat you can't some of your greatest advances you have judged as failures and some of your deepest retreats you have evaluated as success um that was a great learning and uh, I wanted to share it this morning to end this call and so thank you everyone uh, for discussing process and uh, all the means that we're given sorry